Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Wind Against Tide. This is the first of our species-specific specials, Joey. We're talking about a fish that is iconic to us anglers in Victoria and all around Australia and indeed New Zealand, I'm going to say, the snapper. I love snapper. They are – I don't think you're Victorian if you own a fishing rod and you haven't caught a snapper. I would – Agree with you there, Joe. Arapus trutter, I believe the scientific name is there. There you go. How's that for a bit of knowledge? Yeah. Well, I hope that's right. They are one of my favourite of all time um, fish to catch. Uh, when I started fishing as a kid, I started out fishing with my, my dad and uncle um, in a little half cab. We were launching from Patterson River uh, back in the early 90s and yet everybody was out in their droves uh, catching snapper. We weren't very good at it. For years and years and years, we struggled at uh, catching snapper, but um, you know we had to figure out how to get better at catching snapper. And we started, uh, you know, speaking to people at tackle shop and going on forums and going to talk nights. And um, you know, we had to learn. So what we hope to do different back then too, Joey. No social media where the information was readily available. No YouTube. So there was a lot of reading and, yeah, good old-fashioned talk nights and stuff going on, I reckon. Yeah, that's it. So what we hope to cover in this uh, short little episode is uh, everything that we've learnt about snapper. Dave and I have fished together for the last 10 years and um, we have had some success. So we hope to just share with you uh, what we know and we're going to focus on Western Port Snapper because it's where the time that, that we spent the most time uh, fishing for them. So we hope you enjoy this and um, let's get stuck straight into it. Yeah, 100%, Joey. A quick little backstory for myself as well. Started off fishing for snapper or actually I was fishing for pinkies uh, in my younger years and um, that was great fun. And then I saw a few photos and videos of big snapper and I thought, oh, how do you catch them? I'd love to catch one. Seemed a bit unattainable. When I was about 13, I had a 12-foot tinny. I motored out off cows in Western Port. I anchored in a very unlikely spot. No depth sounder, Joey. Just lined up some rocks and a, and a marker boy. That's how they did it back then. And plopped a bait down. Well, no, most people did have depth sanders, but I was 13 and couldn't <laughs> afford one. It's not that <laughs> olden days. I wasn't using cat gut for bait and all, <laughs> and all the ye olden techniques. But um, plonked down a bait and a rod screamed off Joe and turned out it was a four and a half kilo snapper. And from that moment on, I gained quite the love for the species and we've chased them ever ever since and I still get hyped up this time of year as we come into late August and the run of fish really picks up and I look forward to chasing them and I know that you do as well Joe Uh, for many reasons they fight well they taste good they're beautiful looking species any other points you can think of on the old snapper no you've you've covered it uh, beautifully but uh, I want to just go you know, where are we at the moment? We're middle of August, just about to click into September. Um, if you're keen on catching a snapper at this time of year, it is a little bit early. The water's a little bit cool. But but it isn't impossible to catch a snapper at this time of year. No, you can catch them all winter if you want, Joe. If you're happy to sit there and freeze your nuts off for the chance of one to two fish, then you can catch them all winter. There's resident fish that don't leave the bays and estuaries. So we know that the bulk of snapper move in and out of both western port and neighboring port phillip every year but there's certainly some residents that will stay around and 
if you sit out in the cold and wait long enough, you're going to get one of them to chew a bait. They're generally good fish as well. But this time of year, as the water starts to tick up in temperature a little bit, you'll see more and more fish come in through the entrances and um, you're more likely to encounter encounter a few more of them. I like what you just said there, resident snapper. Like, I definitely think that is the case this time of year. I don't think that the snapper are being caught. And look, this is just a theory. I don't think the snapper are, is the new season stock. I think it's very much the, the resident fish. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a mixture this time of year, Joe. You get some new fish coming in and some some of the old old residents that have been there all winter. But, um, yeah, like I said, the water temperature comes up in the bay. Offshore, the water temp is probably sitting around 14 at the moment yep. in the bay. It'll be just creeping up above that. Mm-hmm. So at the point where the temperature in the bay gets warmer than the temperature outside in the ocean, that's generally when we see the bite improve. So as we move out of August and onwards, the peak of the fishery is generally around November, would you say, Joe? Yeah. November, December? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Melbourne Cup, long weekend, and and probably the week after Melbourne Cup, I would say, traditionally. Yep, 100%. Melbourne Cup's quite famous for being snapper time, isn't it? So we look at those periods as the peak and make no mistake about it, these fish are in here to get jiggy with it they're doing a bit of <laughs> dating in the dark you might say joey they found their match and they're in here spawning that's why they all enter these shallow bays and estuaries yep and that's why they're here on mass and the fishing can be extremely good so in in western port we see that peak and then it'll start to drop off as we move into mid to late december Det- depending on the year and the water temps and the rain and stuff that's generally when it'll start to quieten down again And then it's not that they're gone and there's no fish anymore, but maybe we start to turn our attention to other things. Boat traffic dies off and then that's it for another year, Joe. So, Dave, look, I'm going to ask – it's a two-part question here. Um, Sounding for snapper. Um, If if you wanted to catch a snapper right now, um, you know, how much would you subscribe to seeing what's on your fish finder as opposed to maybe right in the middle of that getting jiggy with it season, so to speak? I really think depth sounders are a useful tool. We look at our neighbours over there in Port Phillip and extremely important, I think, being able to sound that snapper. Totally your eyes under the water. (laughs) Definitely. Less structure in Port Phillip. Well, less natural structure anyway. You can be – this is why I like Western Port, you know, opposed to Port Phillip Bay. You could be fishing in the same spot all day in Port Phillip and not turn a reel. Um, Western Port being a little bit more tidal – if uh, you pick a, a good interception location being a channel edge, um, you know, there's a chance that the tide might bring a fish to you. 100%. And the other good thing about Western Port, Joey, is the bycatch. Yes. Whiting, even maybe a mulloway. Yep. <laughs> 100% in the, in the springtime. I wouldn't guarantee that. But generally it is that time of year. Some, there's always a few incidental big fish, big Jews that turn up. But... Anyway, we're there for the big snapper, Joey. And getting back to your question. Yep. Sounders. Sounding great for establishing fisher in an area. But do I think that I'm necessarily catching the fish that I've sounded? Probably not. So these fish, in my opinion, are moving along grazing through Western Port, using channel edges to navigate and making their way up onto the tidal mudflats to scrounge around and eat stuff like, um, you know, shellfish, crabs some of their favourite diet and then they're coming back off the mudflats 
again, and that's where you can generally find them using the interception method, Joey. So like you kind of alluded to before, when I'm fishing this time of year, I like to go out and fish an entire tidal movement. So we have six-hour tides in Western Port, tide rushes in, six hours, tide rushes out, and there's a tide change in the middle, mm, middle slack, somewhere. Slack water in the middle. <clears throat> yeah. Which generally is not very conducive to actually catching fish right on the tide change, is it? It's, we, we want a little bit of go, a little bit of flow, because they say no go, no flow, no flow, no go. Jeez, I got that out yeah. eventually. Well, look, I think it's, um, you know, a lot with the flow that we that we look for is the, um, you know, it it's puts a sense of the bait down the tide and definitely, you know, like a bit, a little bit of a burly trail, I reckon. I think just the, that tidal movement just seems to increase the activity of the bait, the things that the snapper feed on and the snapper and just seems to bring everything to life. I don't know, that's my theory anyway. Or actually thinking out loud here, it's probably more that, that on that tidal movement the fish are moving up and down the channels and then they're coming across our baits. Yep, absolutely. So, long story short, sounding great to find fish in the area but I really do like to position myself along a piece of structure or a channel edge and I'm letting the fish come past me and I'm sort of predicting where I think the fish might be going at that time of day. So if I can pick like a time of day, um, just for an example, say I've got a flood tide, Joe, Mm -hmm. and we're coming into an evening. So in my mind, those fish want to get up on those those vast mudflats of Western Port and feed overnight. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to put my boat in a channel just back from there that's going to feed into that area and get the fish as they come past and they're funneling, hopefully funneling down that channel and then I just have nice, beautiful, fresh baits out and I sit there and wait and I'll sit there that whole tide. I try not to move because obviously you're moving around, you could potentially miss the fish. And then, you know, would would you do the opposite of that when the tide is, is flowing out? You position the boat in, say, a different area on the outgoing tide? Yeah, it's funny. Some people have like a preferred direction of tide this time of year, but I do think it's just trial and error. Some spots fish better on on one direction of the tide and some fish better on the other or it could just be a confidence thing. But it's just trial and error. And one thing I will say, above all, Joe, it's time on water. So Definitely this time of year. You can try and pick out all the perfect conditions, but if you don't have baits in the water soaking for a significant amount of time, you're probably going to struggle. You can't catch them at home, as they say, Joey. Can't catch them sitting on the couch. (laughs) Now, as uh, we move into the season proper, we get really defined bite times you can sort of if you're on the ball you can track them day after day you'll see patterns emerge and even year after year so keeping a diary is a good thing and the fish are they're they're pretty predictable in that they'll be in the same areas at the same times a year and you'll be able to keep revisiting it becomes like clockwork and quite often when we're you know hard into our snapper campaign you know we, we talk about being um having your finger on the pulse and knowing when that clock's going to tick, like when are the fish switched on and when are they switched off. Exactly. And and if you're lucky enough to get out a few times a week, you can literally track in which part of the port the fish are in and just keep sort of following all along and you're, you're on the pulse. Um, that's not us these days, Joey. <laughs> we get to fish barely ever. So keeping, keeping a diary can help you uh, land 
on where the fish have been in previous years and you'll find that they'll keep re- revisiting those areas, I reckon. That's good. Dave, tell me what would be your favourite bait for snapper? Um, look, can be this time of year, can be middle of the season. Tell me what you like the best. So everyone knows in Western Port, calamari is King Joey. You love eating them. <laughs> I do. You haven't worked out how to make them tender. But <laughs> you still to... love eating them. Yep. Fresh calamari, you cannot beat it. But do not discount the old oily pilchards and fish baits either, Joe. So I've got to say I do rate calamari probably the highest. But why, why though? I, I hear like it's just it's just so much better than 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 everything else. Like there's got to be a why about it. Well, it's consistent. Sometimes it's really strange. I would always try and have at least one like fleshy bait like salmon, pilchard, slimy mackerel, etc. out because... For some unknown reason, some days the fish do switch onto that, but more often than not, it's calamari is the go. And I just think they they must just find it absolutely delicious, like we do, Joe. But one thing I will say is oily baits will almost always attract a big flat ray in Western Port, which is a surefire way to ruin your fishing. When you're dealing with those giant skates and eagle rays, your baits aren't in the water waiting to catch snapper. No, so, they're not. That's time time out of the water. So basically anything that's reasonably fresh, good quality, but absolutely love calamari to answer that question, Joey. Yeah, I love um, some of the, the oily baits as well. Definitely remember a um, particular time I was fishing off Joe's Island maybe six or seven years ago. Off your own island? Yes, off my own island. Amazing. And I um, yeah, caught, a, caught a three and a half kilo snapper on uh, mackerel fillet. Um mm. So, yeah, that was back in the day when I used to buy <laughs> bait from the, the Springvale fish market. thought going to the local fishmonger and buying a couple of uh, oily fish um, like yakka and, and mackerel would be good. And, yeah, caught it on a fillet of mackerel. So It's funny, Joe. I had a session last year. I had fresh, all fresh squid out. I didn't even bring anything else with me, mm-hmm. which I often do. I get a bit blind, blindsided. One-eyed. Blindsided. One-eyed, that's it. <laughs> With the, the calamari at times and I had a full set of that out. Couldn't turn a reel. And in Western Port every now and then you'll get like a salmon will eat your snapper rig yep. bait. So that happened. I'm like, well, I'm going to – fresh is best. I'm going to put some of that out. Almost as soon as that hit the water, Rod screamed off, snapper. Wow. Put another chunk of salmon out, Rod screamed off, snapper. And it was just fish after fish – only on the salmon wouldn't touch to calamari. Wow. Why that is, I do not know. They were just keyed in on that particular bait that particular day. And if I may ramble a little bit more, there was a tea tree several years ago where Brendan and I fish. Every snapper we caught, Joe, was on King George Whiting. Oh, I, I've been wanting to have a session like that. I've heard about the King George Whiting being absolutely legendary. Um, I, you know, I can't apart from being in Port Phillip, obviously, and you know, silver whiting's one of the gun baits um, for the bigger snapper in Port Phillip. I can't say personally, I've had an amazing session on the the scraps of King George whiting heads. Oh, it wasn't scraps; it was the good bits, the meaty fillets. <laughs> no, are you serious? <laughs> it was. So what happened was we were fishing. It was a tea tree competition, which is a famous snapper competition competition here in Victoria. We're fishing right in the upper reaches of Western Port where there's a lot of whiting around. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we thought, well, King George Whiting's going to be good here. This is where they feed, what they're going to be eating. Pretty clever. 
and we fished King George Whiting and we caught like 25 snapper in a tide up to seven and a half kilo. Wow. It was nuts. Every bait we put out was just getting nailed. <laughs> but having said that, Joe, I've fished King George Whiting many times since and a lot of the time I rail eat it. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> so what do we get from that? Fresh bait, try and put out what they're going to be eating and vary it a little bit until you find out what's working on the day. So I'll generally have, you know, two to three squid baits out and one or two fish baits and then if one's working better than the other, I'll change it up a little bit. That seems like a really intelligent uh, spread uh, to run. But Dave, do you do you subscribe much to paying attention to the current moon phase and what the barometric pressure is doing when it comes to snapper fishing? Look, or, do you, Joe, or do you think that they're, you know, only small sort of factors in the whole sort of grand picture of things? Uh, look, they might not be small, but I don't get to go fishing enough to be worrying about what the moon and the barometer is doing enough for it to stop me going. But look, <clears throat> the theory, and it does prove true quite frequently, so I guess it's not really a theory, is that the barometric pressure for whatever reason and the wives' tale is that when the barometric pressure is low, the snapper don't feed, something to do with their stomachs and the air pressure, but when the barometric pressure is rising it triggers a bite period which it does but that's not to say that you're not going to catch fish at any other stage of the day or any with you know with any other pattern Mm -hmm. but yes uh, a rising barometer from about say to a thousand and ten up to a thousand and twenty five on a steep rise is going to trigger a good bite normally joe i say 10 20 plenty do they yeah do they really? 10, 20, plenty. Absolutely. So barometric pressure of 1,020, 10, 20 equals plenty. You just taught me that. <laughs> I will say I, I would put it this way, Joe. I like a moving barometer. So even if it's dropping. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought that was so, like the worst time. So sometimes you'll get a barometer rise, right, and then it sits stable at like 1,025 for like four or five days. Mm-hmm. That to me sometimes can slow the bite. So if you've had a low barometric pressure and it shoots up, it's like they go on a bit of a feeding frenzy. And yep, then they've they've eat they've they've eaten, they're full. So as it steadies, there's no rush for them to be feeding anymore. They're already eaten. Their metabolism slows and they don't feed a little bit until it starts to move again. And then that triggers them into a bit more of a frenzy again. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so that's what I—that's my theory with it, and it does seem to work. But then, like I said, it's not gonna—if it's a low barometer, I'm not gonna go. Oh, I'm not going fishing because you never know. Sometimes, if there's a low barometer or a crap bite period, maybe the small fish won't feed, but maybe big mama will. Well, you know, I, I tend just based off what you were just saying there. I, I feel like you know, time on the water—you have to go. I think if things like the barometric. Um, phase is good or, or you know the moon phase is good generally leading up to the full moon um, is good I think those are like your kind of bonus points um, but I think you, you definitely have to consistently go if you want to be rewarded at snapper fishing yeah that's a good way to put it bonus points bonus right? points uh, I think those things are. I think the main thing is the uh, location um, you know being those channel edges those interception points and also um, you know having 
having either calamari or, you know, an oily fish bait out. And, uh, yeah, I reckon the other things are bonus points. I don't mind a full moon at night because the fish tend to feed under the moonlight. But I also don't like night fishing this time of year because it's very cold. Oh, freezing. (laughs) But we've had some cracking sessions under a full moon at night when the the snapper are going, Joey. I think we're going to organise for this year to actually go uh, fishing on our our friend's uh, uh, 51-footer. How do you guys like to see that, Get fishing on a 51-footer for uh, the snapper fishing in Western Port? I reckon we'd uh, film up a storm there, Dave. It, it does sound delightfully comfortable, Joe, and I do like comfort these days. So <laughs> I do look forward to that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Moonrise also, Joe, when the moon's coming up, that'll trigger a bite sometimes. You know that? Yeah. Very like, good bite. Just, just like Credence Clearwater Revival. Yes. Bad moon rising. Yes, exactly. That's what I was. That's exactly what I was getting at. Yeah, yeah. No. So various factors. Just keep an eye on it and take note. And if it if it works and you smash fish on that particular period, then you might be onto a bit of a pattern and you can repeat it again in the future. What are rods and reels do you like to use for targeting snapper? How do you be uh, best equipped? All right. Well, we're talking Western Port specific, aren't we, Joe? Yeah. I. For the purpose of this podcast, yes. Yes. So. I feel like I've come back a little bit on the, the rod weight because I just hate fighting snapper on stupidly heavy gear. I, I, feel, really... like, I feel like we, we used to fish really, really heavy for years and, and I think that if I take a step back, the methodology behind that was, okay, if you get a big uh, stingray or eagle ray, um, you want to quickly be able to dispatch that fish and, uh, and quickly get your um, quickly get your, your, your line rebated and back in the water. But... I definitely feel like the, the fishing gear's gotten more intelligent. It's stronger and lighter these days. Um, what would you say to that? Yeah, absolutely. And the other reason we used to fish really heavy is we do a lot of deep water, fast flowing water, gummy shark fishing and stuff with the same setups. And we'd be hurling, you know, 20 ounce plus weights into the ocean. So just to cast that weight, you need a pretty heavy rod. And then obviously to deal with all the bycatch, you need a pretty heavy rod. But probably most of our snapper fishing these days is in or 14 metres or shallower, and you can definitely run a lighter setup. You're using probably a maximum of 10 to 12 ounces, and you get a really enjoyable flight that way. So at the moment, I'm running 10,000 size Saragossas just because of their versatility, because I can use them on stuff like school tuna trolling and, and whatnot, but I'm running them on like a 10 kilo my rods are called a Snapper Classics by Shimano. You you won't find them again. They were a lofty bargain bin run out rod. <laughs> and I've had so many people ask me where to get them. They're bloody grouse. They were cheap as chips and they're, they're really nice rod to catch a fish on. They're not too heavy. They're not too light. They can deal with bycatch, but they are also enjoyable to fight a fish on, Joe. But absolutely, I'd have no issue fighting snapper or fishing for snapper on, say, a 6,000 size rod paired with, you know, a... A six to eight kilo rod. Yeah, and I tend to agree with that. Like, um, you know, when we buy fishing gear as well, sometimes we try to uh, select the reel where, you know, we're going to get the most versatility out of it that we can catch multiple species on. But, you know, I'm speaking to some uh, snapper aficionados at the minute that don't really care about a reel to catch a tuna or catch a kingfish on or whatnot. And I'm hearing a lot of blokes sort of using around that that 8,000 size uh, reel and, and, and a rod to sort of match to, to fish Western Port at the moment, um, being 
a, a really enjoyable experience. 100%. Now, mainline for me, Joey, I like braid in Western Port. It's less stretch. You need less weight. It's nothing like feeling the head shakes of a big fish through that through that braided line. And obviously, it's really strong for its diameter. So I run 30 pounds and I run a leader of, well, I'll run a shock leader, I should say. So like a wind-on type leader mm-hmm. um, of 40 or 60 pound, about four meters of that. And then I'll run a 1.2 meter-ish leader, which is 60 pound. Um, and nowadays, what knot are you using to connect your braided line to your your shock leader? Oh, I use an Albright knot. Um, so a Bimini twist to an Albright knot, Joe. Okay. The only reason I do that... Do you think a, a Bimini is a bit of an overkill? Well, maybe. We're fighting some big fish on that gear. That's true. Or 40 kilo mulloway and stuff. Yeah, okay. You don't want to have any chances. Leave it to chance. Um, now, the only reason I do that, funnily enough, is obviously an FG knot's going to be super strong, but you know the the sliding sinker rigs that we use? Yes. The easy slider. Yeah, the easy rig. Yep. The easy rig. I've seen many times the easy rig goes over the knot of an FG and gets stuck on the other side. And really? you, wind, you wind a fish in and you can only wind it up to the sh- top of the shock leader and you've got to snap it with, you know, four metres of shock leader swimming around under the boat and you've got to hand line it in. Seen no it happen way. Before. So that's why part of the reason I like the Albright and the Bimini. Slim line. Yes. It's a it's slim line, like does I mean like the easy rig can can run through it? No, it's actually got a knot that that stops the easy rig from going past the shock leader. Oh, yeah, right. So that it can't get stuck up the line. Okay. Yes, that's why I do it that way. Right. But anyway, each their own. So a good strong connecting knot to a shock leader, and then we go. Obviously, as we've just discussed, we run a running sinker, mm-hmm. and then a swivel. And then we run about a metre and a half of bite leader in 60 pound. I find that a good weight. 40 pound, good, but have occasionally been bitten off. 60 pounds a pretty sure bet. 60 is good. They're not super leader shy in Western Port either, I find. So happily go 60 pound. And then the other contentious point is do you go a circle hook or a suicide? What do you prefer, Joe? I um, I really enjoy the... Uh the two, the suicide, the twin suicide hook rig, um, a pair of pair of four O's or a pair of five O's. Um, I re- really enjoy that. Um, yeah, I think uh, you'll, uh, you know, sometimes you get these uh, big snapper that that you know they tend to rip and and shake the bait. I think you got the, the better chance of of getting getting one that way. But look, I do like circle hooks as well because. You know, if a fish does actually swallow um, a circle hook, that um, it might take a lot longer for the fish to hook itself. But um, when that rod loads, um, there's a pretty good chance um, it's not coming off. Yeah, it's a tough one. A lot of the time early season we tend to run the suicides and really strike the hook in there when the fish aren't properly engulfing the bait and taking off with it. But uh, I think I'm turning more and more to circle hooks these days. Obviously, if you want to release a fish, it's a lot better option because they're just hooked in the corner of the jaw. But uh, I also find that when snapper do that massive erratic head shaking run that they do, with a circle hook, it's a lot harder for them to throw it, especially once it's already locked in the hinge of the jaw. Yeah, well, it's not coming out when it gets to that point. With those twin suicides, every now and then they can sort of like bounce them out. If they're not like, if they're not really well set, they'll kind of shake them loose. 
I think either way, you're not going to land every single fish. They're good at throwing hooks, but... Yeah, they've got a hard, bony mouth. I th- yeah, they do have a hard, bony mouth. But I think circle hooks, for my mind, I'm a fan of them, Joe. So good for releasing, good hook sets. And the other thing is if you're retiring a lot of rigs, a lot easier just to tie a single circle on. One thing I will say with circles is you really want a nice compact bait, Joe, so that the fish can get the whole bait into its mouth and then it lets the hook do its job. Yeah, that's um, interesting. I've seen some interesting bait presentations from from you guys over the years. You know, you do, you've got a few different ways you do your calamaris. First it was the, you know, the ring. Um, then you can do uh, strips. strips. Then you can do the ring with my dad. My dad makes me laugh. Um, he calls it the little trailer. Yep. You're attaching a trailer to your to your ring, and when when I think trailer, I think like you know he goes and collects firewood, like he's just clipping on <laughs> a six by four at the the back of his car. So yeah, attaching a little trailer to your squid ring, Davy. Sometimes I call that the lice anode, that strip that goes <laughs> off the back of the squid ring, because the lice eat that before they get to the main bait. But yeah, um, I'll put a tentacle or a strip off the back of a squid ring often, and the the ring actually swims in the water, believe it or not, and then it makes the the, the trailing tentacle swim along as well. It's yeah, pretty cool. Definitely, it's like a, like a, a wiggle, a paddle tail uh, soft soft plastic. Yeah, definitely. So you get that visual representation and the the smell because as there's well. there's current pushing past that bait. So yeah, yeah. Cut baits are really good for snapper. They're they're oh they they are a predator, but they are also very good at scavenging out food off the bottom. So something that's cut has a lot of scent and it's easy for them to eat. Works really well, Joe. So, yeah, that's um, that's how I'd present it and that's the tackle I'd present it on. Um, I want to touch a little bit quickly before we finish up here. Eating a snapper, I hear a lot of people go, ah, snapper are crap eating. I I've heard that. Heard that too. Straight Heaps up. Over the years. Yep. Straight up, they're full of shit. I see so many snapper, not bled, not brain spiked, just thrown in a tub on a boat. And then people fill them, they're warm, they're mushy, it's shit. I mean, of course, that's going to be the case. We've seen a movement with bluefin tuna called Tuna Champions where everyone's taking great care of their catch. And I promise you, if you do that with snapper, the same things, you're going to find the same thing. The eating quality is going to improve dramatically and you're going to really enjoy it. So we land a snapper, Joe. First thing we do is we brain spike it. So fish, gone, dead. Out of yep. it. So, so brain spiking it, like I've seen you guys do it many, many times. It's like um, there's like a little soft, you know, bit bit like, you know, a temple. Um, where we've got our temple here is a human, but you find the soft area that's, uh, that, that's above the eye and um, a very uh, a sharp blade to here it is, Joe. spike its brain, um, which um, it instantly... Uh, Watch this. Yep, there we go. It's on the screen for you. There, so... Spike. So that's the first thing we do, brain spike. Yep. That relaxes the fish. Relaxes the, the muscle. Yep. Then we bleed it and then we put it straight on an, in an ice slurry to cool it down. And if you really want to go that step further, which would probably improve the flesh even more, you'd gut it. Yep, agreed. So then it stays on ice. Generally, it's, I think, beneficial to leave it on ice for a day after you've gone fishing because it firms the fillets right up. Mm-hmm. And then fill it. And or eat it whole or whatever you want to do, you'll find that the flesh is really firm and really white and it's delicious. Snow white. Really versatile. Tasty. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. 
Love it. And um, so it grinds my gears when people say they're shit eating, Joe. <laughs> I agree with that. No, they're they're very, very good when they're they're looked after, 100%. Mm. Well, for our mini species specific series, Joe, maybe the first of many, we could go on about snapper all day, but I think we've covered a fair bit of it there. Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of of positive to take out of that. And yeah, I hope you guys all all enjoyed that. Uh, Yeah, we're going to keep rolling out these little mini series for you and uh, yeah, share with you everything that we've picked up overfishing um for the for the rest of our lives <laughs> <laughs> sorry but from from from, from our whole lives. from our whole lives. sorry no, no, let me, we're sharing let me with you for the rest of our lives oh that could that could take some time <laughs> <laughs> nah but yeah we love snapper so to sum up time on water basically joey fresh baits time on water persistence good gear good times Get your boat serviced as well because it's in the middle of winter and I've heard it's a long long wait to get your, your boat serviced. So get that ready as well. Beautiful. All right, have a good night. Oh, actually, you're probably all not listening to this at night time anymore. We're not live streaming these days. Uh, you might be on the work site. You might be, uh, yes. yeah. Have a good day, everyone. Might enjoy, be on Smoko, punching out a dart. Enjoy whatever you're up to. See you on the water. Hope you have a blinder. Catch you next time.